Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Amen. Thank you for worshiping our great God. Let's continue our sermon series from the Gospel of Mark. Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Scripture reading for today is Mark chapter 6 through 13. We're going to start that last sentence of verse 6. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. If any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony to them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. God bless the reading of his word. What does this text have to do with us? What does this account, this historical account of the disciples being sent have to do with us? It seems almost like another world, doesn't it? It seems so different from our experience, from our norm, from our our regular walk as Christians. What does this text have to do with us? This is the beginning of really the third year of Jesus' relationship with the disciples. He's been with them for a long time. And really this is, uh, by the time we get to this point in Mark, this is the, really the third tour of Galilee. Now Galilee isn't a big place, but there's a lot of villages, a lot of little communities spread out through Galilee. It, again, it's not a huge place, but you could spend a lot of time going village to village, place to place, talking to different people for a lot of months. Uh, so he's, he's, been, he's been with the disciples for a long time. And they've been traveling together for a long time. Jesus has been teaching and preaching and healing and casting out demons for a long time. And this is the point where he says, now it's your turn. What's the old uh, teacher adage? Uh, I remember when I was in college, somebody was talking to me about it. It goes something like this. Watch what I do, right? Watch what I do, and then after you watch me do certain things for a season, let's, uh, let's go do it together. You know, you go with me, and let's do it together. And then, and then after that, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to let you do it, and I'm going to watch you do it. And then the final stage of teaching, of training, of, of learning is uh, you go do it yourself. A whole progression of time, a whole progression of of experience and learning and a whole uh, call to do it, to live it out, to behave differently, to live differently. What does this have to do with us? Jesus has been uh, very intentional with the disciples. If you look back at uh, Mark 1, verse 17, uh, just to review some of where we've been, So you'll know, so you can see the progression over years, Jesus has been intentionally working with these men. 
Remember when he was, uh, after he came into public ministry and he began to preach and teach, and he was going along the Sea of Galilee, and then in verse 17, chapter 1, Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Uh, in that is such a, a, so much in terms of philosophy, so much in terms of his intention for these men. He, he called them uh, not just to believe, but to follow. Follow me. And, and he meant it literally. Follow me, like walk in my dust, walk behind me. He's calling them to be uh, students of the rabbi, students of the teacher. Follow me and I'll make you into something you're not. I'm going to make you, I have an intention for you that you're going to become some people that are going to be doing things differently than you are now. I'm going to make you, in the metaphor, speaking to fishermen, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Uh, a, a disciple is someone who has made the decision to follow Jesus, who, who knows and follows Jesus. A disciple is somebody who is being changed by Jesus. A disciple is someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. Really, in that, that nutshell, the, the definition of discipleship is right there in the statement. Follow me, and I'll make you into fishers of men. And so, and so he told them right away, and they, what, what did they do? Uh, did they go on with their normal life? Did they, did they, did they go to this, this, uh, this moment in time uh, of Jesus calling them to do something? Did, did they go back to their normal life? No, they, they made a decision to follow Jesus. A very intentional decision. They, they left their business behind. They left their family for a season behind. They left everything important behind. They surrendered to the call to discipleship. They put uh, discipleship up at the highest level of, of their, their, their focus. They became very intentional about who they were becoming. They were going with Jesus. And so over the years, they, they walked behind him. They saw him preach. They, they heard his teaching. They, they saw how he dealt with enemies. They saw how he dealt with people that hated him. They, they, they saw his character in action. They were catching so much over the years. They, they, you know, like you, 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 your children, uh, they caught so much from you growing up. Some of you have little children right now. They're, they're catching everything you're saying. They're catching everything you're doing. They're sponges. They're soaking in. And, and these men, these disciples, are just, are just watching and learning and, and growing. And they, they know that Jesus wants to make them into something they're not. And, and they, they, they go with the intention of, yeah, I want to become what Jesus wants me to become. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big, big deal to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, there's, there's, there's different clues, there's different points in the, in the book where uh, Jesus makes it clear what, what, he's, what he's doing and, and how intentionally he is to make people into disciples. If you look at chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. Uh, this is after the second tour through Galilee and, and he's coming to a, a head about his identity. They, they, they're slow to identify him as Messiah. They're so, slow to get it. But he went up on a, uh, in verse 14. He appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Okay? And then it, also to have authority to cast out demons. Uh, he, he appointed 12. He, he, there was a whole group of people following him at this point. But he grabbed a hold of 12 and he said, I want you to be with me. Okay? And in a very intentional way. You've, you've followed me to this point with a wider group of people, but you 12, I want you to be close with me. In other words, he, he wants to really take them under his wing in an intentional way to, to train them, to teach them, to become everything that he wants them to be. Uh, to be with them, and then ultimately, the plan is to send them out. 
I want you to be with me, to learn from me, to, to know what makes me tick, to know the, the rhythms of heaven, to, to know the, the values of God. And then eventually I'm going to send you out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. And uh, through, the, through the journey, uh, he's, he preaches in parables to the crowds, and, but, but he always goes back. If you look at chapter, th chapter 4, verse 34. Chapter 4, verse 34. Uh, talking about the crowds, he did not speak to them without a parable. Okay? Uh, so they're, they're, he was putting truth out there through parable form. Uh, the responsive would respond to that, but the unresponsive would, would be confused by parables. But privately, to his own disciples, he explained everything. So you can, you can imagine, if you've ever been trained by somebody, maybe in a workplace setting, or maybe there's been a mentorship setting, or, or some kind of a relationship with somebody that uh, is, has a responsibility to train you on equipment, or train you uh, to do a certain task, Jesus has very intentionally put himself in the lives of these, these 12 men. He's pouring into them. He's, he's, he's uh, doing public ministry. He's doing the Father's will. He's being obedient to the Father, but he's talking to them about, this is why I do this. This is how it goes. This, this is what it means. This is how you're supposed to do it. He's, he's training them, teaching them, so that they will be leaders of his church, so that they will be the ones that when he leaves, they will know how to do it. And this progression, Mark, the Gospel of Mark is a very condensed book, a very condensed history. And so the months are flipping by, and the years are flipping by, and he's been pouring himself into these people. And so we get to chapter 6, and uh, we, we come to this passage, and he called the twelve to himself in, in verse 7. Okay, so they're traveling with him, and, and so he's, he's saying, now's the time where I think you're ready. Now's the time where I think it's time for you to go. And uh, so he gives them some regulations. He gives them some rules, some guidelines, I guess you'd say. He, here's, how I want you to, here's how I want you to play it out. I want you to go two by two. Uh, when it, uh, so he's sending them out to travel, and this is, this is a, not a forever uh, mission trip. It's a short-term mission trip. This is one of the reasons why even in the church today we have short-term missions. Is it's, it's a limited time frame. They're supposed to go out for a season, and it could be weeks, it could be months. We're not told the duration of their trip. But he gives them certain guidelines, uh, two by two. Uh, two by two, uh, the, the power of that is that we, we can support each other two by two. As we're communicating to people, if, if I start to fal falter, my, my companion can step in. If I get distracted, my con companion can, if, if question comes up that I don't know, my companion can, can answer the question. But also, I, I think the bigger reason why Jesus said two by two, because the law and the Torah it required two witnesses to, to validate the truth. And so what is the mission of the disciples as they go out to preach? They're testifying that the kingdom of God has come. They're testifying that the kingdom of heavens is at hand. They're witnessing to the reality that God is moving in the midst of the world and, and that God is going to be king. And, and Jesus is the doorway to the kingdom. Jesus is the king who's come. And, and so they're witnessing, they're testifying to the Jewish people at this point, saying, your Messiah is here. He says it, I say it, and you better believe it. Okay? And, and so they, they, they go out, they're sent to, to do what? They're... they're calling people to repentance. They're calling people to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're calling people to believe that, that really God's end times vision is coming to fruition. 
that uh, everything that God planned is coming true, and, and there's, it's, it's time to get right with God. So they go out two by two, but, but Jesus, in the short-term mission, he gives them some guidelines. Uh, he says, hey, take a staff, you know, have a belt, have some sandals, have a shirt, a, a tunic, but nothing else, just the barest essentials. Don't take any bread, don't take a traveling bag, you know, leave your toothbrush at home. Don't even put any money in your belts. No purses. You're just supposed to go, and uh, as you travel, you're supposed to rely upon the power of God, the resources of God. And uh, what, what, what was uh, kind of assumed there is in the Jewish society, hospitality was a very important thing. If they saw uh, visitors come into the village, it was a, a communal honor to take care of the visitors, to take care of the travelers. And so there was an assumption there that when they go into a village or a little town or even a little you know, three-house kind of a commune, that somebody would say, hey, come and eat with us, come and, and be housed, what are you here for? And so there was this real, this real idea that uh, as they go, that uh, someone's going to receive them, and by God's grace, they're going to be taken care of. So, but it was a real reliance upon God, is what Jesus is saying to them. Now, these days, of course, at, at, we, we see it in, in Gethsemane, when Jesus knows he's going to be going, he, he switches the guidelines around, you know, take everything, <laughs> take everything you need for the long-term trip. So these are very short-term things, we don't apply these things to missionaries today, but just in this setting, they weren't supposed to take anything, just to rely upon God, just, just the barest essentials. Okay. Uh, if, if somebody came uh, to you uh, and visited your house, would you show hospi hospitality to them, would you welcome them? We're, we're not a very hospitable culture. In these days, we're uh, go behind the garage and shut the door and keep out of my castle kind of a culture. You know, we got the moats out front and we don't want anybody knocking on our doors. That's, that's where we are today. But in this culture, very, very open and it was a, a, a matter of pride to welcome visitors. And so he sends them out. But what, what, if, what if somebody doesn't receive you? What if somebody doesn't listen to the teaching? And so there's this, this, ancient, uh, this ancient kind of... Uh, picture of shaking the dust off your feet. When the Jewish people traveled in Gentile lands, non-Jewish lands, uh, when the Gentiles didn't receive the, the truth about Yahweh, the, the monotheist, monotheism of one God, when the, when the Gentiles rejected the Jewish message, when they came back to Israel, they, they you know, prophetically almost shake the dust off their feet as a sign of judgment. So Jesus is saying, as you travel through Israel to the Jewish people, sharing the message of me as the Messiah, as me as, me as the Lord coming in fulfillment of the promises of God, and they refuse to believe, if they refuse to repent and get right with God through me, shake the dust off your feet. It's a prophetic sign of judgment. And really the, the hope was that if, if, people, if these Jewish people saw this ancient sign against the Gentiles being used against them, they might, they might come under conviction and judgment and repent. It, 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 was, a, it was a gift. Well, what does this all mean for us? What, is, what does this, this mean in, in our lives? Uh, we, we see that uh, they're, they're sent out and, and they, uh, they go. And they, they preach repentance. And they do what Jesus tells them to do. Uh, one of the things that's very... Uh, it comes out more in, in, in Matthew's Gospel and it comes out more in Luke's Gospel. The authority that they're given. You know, they, they don't go in their own power. They don't go in their own strength. Uh, Mark tells us they're given authority over unclean spirits. Okay, uh, not they, can't, they can't drive out evil from somebody. They can't uh, set people free by their own power. 
they are being taught that they are to rely upon God and His power, and they're told that they have authority to do so. Matthew and Luke tell us that they also had authority to heal people, to heal people of any sickness. And they are given power to preach. They're given power to, to proclaim the good news and call people to repentance. And so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big moment in church history. It, it's maybe one of the first times where they've been, they've been with Jesus and they've seen his ministry, they've seen his mission, they've seen him at work. He came from heaven to earth to, to do this. And, that, and they're, they're understanding that he's the Messiah, almost. They, they struggle some with his, his identity. We've seen that in passages past. But, but right now, the, the message of the kingdom is going out. And it's going out through them. It, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big moment. And Jesus gets his church ready to be on mission. And what does this have to do with us. What we see here is a call, the, the first seven, eight chapters are kind of introduction to uh, Jesus' cross work, what we celebrated at the table here, his redemptive work for us, his saving work for us. But the first seven or eight chapters are kind of introduction to who he is, and, and Mark's been trying to convince us that he's the Son of God, he's the Messiah, the one that's trusted. But a sideline here is he's preparing people to be his church. He's preparing people to be his disciples. He's called them and, and molded them and trained them, and now he's sending them out. As Jesus sent out these men to be disciples, to be workers for his kingdom, Jesus intends to send us out to be disciples, to be workers for his kingdom. As he called these men to be disciples, he calls us to be disciples today. It's never changed. But we, we step back and we look at American Christianity. And we look at this almost as a whole different animal. A whole different scenario. In our experience with churches, in our experiences with Christianity these days... Really, what we are called to is called to believe. We're called to uh, really make ourselves converts, to leave paganism, leave uh, false religion, and we're, we're called oftentimes to trust in Jesus. And, and great, we, we do. But we look at discipleship almost as extra credit, or we look at discipleship as, man, those are for the real serious people. To be a disciple, it's, it's like, that's, that's not us. It should be. A disciple is someone who's made the decision to follow Jesus. A disciple is someone who's being changed by Jesus to be like Jesus. A disciple is committed to the mission of Jesus. Uh, we... Uh, we uh, are in the mode of, yeah, I, we have an expectation. Yeah, I trusted in Jesus, and then I was baptized. And we have this kind of this fuzzy sense of, well, I need to grow in maturity. I don't know what that looks like, or I don't know what a mature Christian looks like, but I know I'm supposed to grow up, supposed to be changed. Uh, we have this kind of this, this, this mentality that, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be more moral. I'm supposed to be a better person in some ways. And uh, I'm supposed to follow Jesus' commands, but... 
it's, it's, it's like, well, if it doesn't happen, it's not that big a deal in our American churches. It's, uh, it's kind of like I come to trust in Jesus and I believe in Jesus and I, I'm waiting for heaven, but really my life is no different than anybody else's lives. If I compared my life to my neighbor's life who's not a Christian, uh, they don't look a whole lot different in practicality. But what we're exposed to, what we're shown here, what we're confronted with, is that Jesus expects us to be disciples. He expects us to walk with Him, to follow Him, to obey Him, to become like Him. And so we're brought face to face this morning. What does this passage mean for us? We're brought face to face with the reality of of our life as it is and the call to discipleship. Jesus wants us to be disciples, to follow him as Lord. And, and preachers sometimes start harping on people and you got to do the rules better. You got to start doing, being more moral. You got to start working harder and, and, and missing the point that discipleship starts with relationship. Discipleship starts with knowing God and wanting to know God, being devoted to him. Uh, when Jesus said, come and follow me, he was, he was giving them a choice, a decision to know him, to live in his ways, to walk with him through this life. Well, what does it mean to be a disciple? It's the decision to become like Jesus. It's the decision to be devoted to be like Jesus. Not by my power, not by uh, my wisdom, not by um, manufacturing it, but it's the decision to become Christ-like. A devotion to become as Jesus is in practice. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Or are you just playing church? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions like everyone else with a little religion sprinkled on top? Discipleship is the intentional choice to become like Jesus, to follow Jesus. You say, Pastor, well, this is a little bit hard because if you haven't noticed, Pastor, Jesus isn't here anymore. Um, doesn't matter. God is here. He's given us His Word. He sent the Holy Spirit into our life to teach us, to remind us of all of Jesus' teachings. We are called to go. We're called to be first, to be Jesus' people, to be his disciples, to follow him wherever he would lead. And so what does this, this passage have to do with us? Are you a disciple or not? 
Discipleship isn't abnormal. Discipleship isn't the out-of-the-box, weird, kind of Jesus-freak kind of a thing that, that everyone else is just Christian. Discipleship is the norm. Being a Christian who doesn't live for Jesus is abnormal, biblically. Being a, 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 being a Christian that doesn't follow Jesus is weird. Being a Christian who doesn't obey Jesus is weird. Being a Christian who doesn't live as Jesus would live if he were in our place is weird, is abnormal, is wrong. He called us to be with him so that we become like him. And so he spent several years taking them here and there and everywhere, and now he's, he's sent them out. Uh, what does this passage have to do with us? You're called to be a disciple. You're called to make a decision to follow Jesus. You're called to be devoted to becoming like Jesus Christ. So, so you, 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 you study, what, what did, how did he live? How did, how did he walk? How, how did he um, relate to God? How, how, did he, how did he interact with people? What was his values? We, we try to learn and then we take it on. And it's supposed to be done in community. Like, man, being a part of a Bible study is great. Being part of a community group is great. Being part of a group of people that are moving towards Jesus is great. But oftentimes our Bible studies or our community groups or our, our activities with other Christians, it's just entertainment or it's just uh, you know, kind of a support group in some fashion. We, we are called to be disciples who are intentionally following Jesus, intentionally doing what he would do in our place, intentionally living by his values and his, his commandments, living them out. And man, a community, if we got a bunch of people that are moving that, that, that path to, together, who are holding each other accountable, who are calling each other out, who are loving each other uh, to be disciples, it's a beautiful thing. But Jesus, uh, he, he calls us to disciples. The, the other part of this, this other part of this, this passage, what, what does it mean for us is really disciples eventually go. Disciples eventually go out. Disciples eventually leave the nest. The, the disciples leave the moat behind and they, and they go to people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's a lifestyle. It, it's, a, it's a way of living that's indicative of who we are. Um, these, these men, uh, they might have been happy just to let Jesus do all the work. <laughs> They might have been happy just to keep walking with Jesus, but really what they signed up for was to become like him. Uh, when you went after a rabbi, you wanted to become like him. You learned his teachings. You learned the way he taught things, the way he did things. And so that's why you spent so much time with him, to become like him. And, and so uh, they really, at, at the core, they, they know that they want to be like Jesus, but really when it comes to going to work, they, they, maybe they weren't so sure. But nevertheless, they did. It says in verse 12, So they went out, and they proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons, and anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. Uh, in in the, the context of Mark, I, I hope I, I've labored to, to make it clear, um, uh, the healing of people in the Gospels, uh, healing of the sick, it was meant to be a sign of the reality of Jesus' preaching. Uh, why in the Gospels is there so much healing, so much transformation, so, so much uh, uh, deliverance from illnesses? Because as they proclaimed the, the healing miracles, the, the, they were to be signs validating the truth of Jesus' preaching. Uh, so these, these men these, and, and the women that were following Jesus as well by this point, um, 
they, they went out and they intentionally tried to help people. They went out and they intentionally tried to heal people and they knew they had the authority to do so in this time frame, in this setting. They were given power of God to do so. And so they, they, they went out and they sought to heal people and, and, and help them in their, their sicknesses and their, their diseases. And, you know, as they were able to heal people, as they saw people uh, rescued from, from the disease, sickness, and illnesses, then they could preach. Then, then they had the avenue to say, this happened in Jesus' name. This happened because of the power of God. Jesus did this. God did this. Repent and believe in Him. What we're telling you about the coming of the kingdom, the reign of God is at hand. We're, we're telling you these signs, these miracles that you're seeing, they, are, they point to the truth of everything we're saying. He really is bringing a whole new world. He really is bringing His kingdom to bear. And one day there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more disease when the king fully reigns when the kingdom comes. And the same thing with the casting out of the demons. Uh, the, the demons, uh, we, we're so confused by this, and we're so, we're so, it seems like such a strange world to us to remove unclean spirits and evil spirits from people. But in their day, in their worldview, it was easy for them to understand. And, and they went out, and, and really, every time they, they set someone free, it was, it was a sign, it was a pointer to the kingdom. That's what God's going to do one day. That's what God will do in your life if you trust in Him. That will God, if, if you repent and, and come under the reign of the King, if you not see Him as Savior but also as Lord, you turn your whole life and bring it under His rule, His authority. Uh, one day that's going to be totally true in the kingdom of God. And, and so the, the, the miracles of healing, the miracles of casting out demons, they're all pointing to the truth of the preaching. And, and really, uh, we're called to do the same thing. What does this passage mean for us? Uh, we're called to be disciples. And what does this passage mean for us? We're called to go in Jesus' name as disciples. We, again, struggle with this. We don't, uh, in our culture, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. We don't want to... Um, hurt anybody's feelings. We, we don't want to be labeled as intolerant. We don't want to be labeled as troublemakers. We, we just want to get along and get by with everybody and be friends with everybody and, and be liked by everybody and be received by everybody and be loved by everybody. And, and, uh, and while, while we're not opening our mouths and not sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are dying. People are staying in their bondage. People are staying in their, their death sentence. They're staying under condemnation. They're staying lost. They're, they're, they're staying far from God. They, they remain outside of the kingdom. They remain, remain outside of the, the kingdom of God. Um, a disciple is somebody who is being taught and trained by Jesus. They've chosen to follow him. And a disciple is being sent on mission. And so these, these men, uh, they come to the point of they've been trained, they've been equipped, they've been taught, and now they're being sent and we should never get used to the idea of, of our, our comfort or our safety being the norm. We should never get to used to the idea that people need to come to us. And I say this as uh, I'm very proud of our church. I'm very thankful for this church. I'm very thankful for all it's, it's accomplishing and all it's accomplished. Uh, we have a, a certain strategy here where we want uh, the open doors 
for the community to come in, for lost people to come in. We, we have a certain strategy that people are welcome here. Right? Sunday morning worship is for the believer. Uh, it's a worship service, so we gather on Sunday mornings. It's a simple thing, an hour, hour and 15 minutes, where we gather and, and we just we, we think about God, we focus on God, we glorify God um, as worshipers, as believers. But we also want people to come in and open our doors. And, and so, in, in one sense, we're, we're, it's for the believers, but it's, we want people to know they're, they're welcome. And the other thing we do as a church, we, we have events, right? We have events that are accessible by outsiders. We have events that are... People are welcomed in, and, and we hope they come in. We, we hope we can form relationships with people, right? Uh, and we hope that we can meet them where they are. There's a bridge made that we can communicate the gospel, right? But, but at some point, this, this, this strategy, it falls apart because the world isn't coming anymore to churches. The lost people aren't coming anymore to uh, worship services, like they used to. It's not cultural anymore to be part of a church if you're lost. It's not cultural anymore to be part of a community of faith, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Really, the, the dividing lines are so, so clear right now that almost never uh, do uh, lost people go to church anymore intentionally. <laughs> and so there is this, this reality in our world today that if we're going to fulfill the mission of Jesus, if we're going to, if we're going to do what Jesus wants us to do, we, we, we need to go. And, and it's nothing new. It's nothing different. It's, it's nothing that's out of the ordinary because Jesus sent them. Sent them in His name. Sent them to heal. Sent them to deliver. Sent them to preach. Uh, and, and it's no different from us. We are called to be disciples. And we're committed to the mission of Jesus. And in our day and age, it does mean going. And what, what does that look like? What, what does that entail? What does that mean? If you look at uh, chapter 6, verse 30, um, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time expounding this or explaining it. I, I, I want you to see um, a, a, a portion of, of their life in a, in a, in a setting that, that Mark thinks is very important to talk about. They, they had uh, gone on this mission tour. They were exhausted. They were wiped out. They, they were really tired. And so Jesus said, come away by yourselves for a while to rest. Um, well, let's just read it. Verse 30. The, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. Okay? And they went away the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they, they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. <laughs> now, I, I need to just give you the picture. They've been on a ministry tour. They've been serving. They've been giving their life away. They've been pouring themselves out to people, and they're exhausted. And Jesus says, hey, let's take a break. Let's get away from people. And they, they go, they leave the Capernaum, and they, they go, and, and, and they, they're getting to the place where they're going to land on the shore, and they see thousands of people waiting for them. And the disciples are like, oh, can I just have a little time by myself? Can I just rest a little bit? And it's just, just like, uh, and, and do you think this was by accident? Uh, it, the way Mark sets it up, it's not. Now, uh, verse 33, uh, verse 34, when he went ashore... Who went ashore? Jesus did. When he went ashore and he saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
and began to teach them many things. That sheep without a shepherd is an Old Testament phrase. There's nobody leading them. There's nobody guiding them. It, it, back in Ezekiel, it was a, a condemnation of Israel's leadership. That the, the leaders of the nation didn't care about the people. They let them just wreck themselves and destroy themselves. And, and it, it, so he's seeing these people. Thousands of people are out there and no one's leading them. No one's teaching them. No one's caring for them. They're lost. And so he has to teach them. He, his heart goes out to them. And the disciples, you know, they're on a break. They're not doing the teaching anymore. He's doing the teaching. He has given them somewhat of a break. But he's teaching them about the kingdom. He's teaching about truth. He's calling them to repentance. He's doing all the things that he taught the disciples to do. And again, the disciples are watching. But look at, look at the drama as it builds. Uh, verse 35, and, he, and as it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and the villages to buy themselves something to eat. <laughs> okay, so they're, they're saying, okay, we've got thousands of people out here. And, and uh, there's no food out here. Man, we need to avert a catastrophe. We need to take care of these people. Send them away, Jesus, into the villages and the countryside so they can buy themselves something to eat. Look at what Jesus says to them. He answered them, verse 37, You give them something to eat. What? You give them something to eat. You just... Uh, the anxiety, the stress, the, maybe even the anger comes out a little bit here. How could he ask that? What are, are we? What are we supposed to do? Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Two hundred denarii is about a year's wages for a common laborer. Are we supposed to spend a fortune to feed these people? What, what, what are we supposed to do? And so, what Jesus has done to them is expose the reality that they they can't help these people themselves. They don't have the resources on hand. They don't have the capability to help these people on themselves. And so he's, he's bringing them to a ministry moment. He's bringing them to the discipleship moment. He's bringing them to a moment of, of how are we going to help people? How are we going to get the gospel out? How are we going to transform lives? How do we do this? And, and we ask the question today, how do we do this? And, and so Jesus said to them, verse 38, How many lows do you have? Go and see. Go check your resources. Go, go see what's available. And, they, and when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. So very minimal resources. Uh, can God use that? Can God use that to help people? Can God use that to, to, to take care of people? In their minds, they're probably saying, oh, I, don't, I don't think that, that's not going to cut it. It's just not going to cut it. Five loaves and two fishes. How, how in the world is that going to be spread out among all these people? I don't, think, I don't think we can minister to people today. I don't think we can feed people. I don't think we can take care of people. I don't think we can, we can make a difference in people's lives. I don't think we can accomplish anything. Five loaves and two fish. Give me a break. You see that they're not thinking about the divine resources. They're not thinking about the divine power. They're not thinking about the one who sent them. They're not thinking about the shepherd of the souls. They're not thinking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They're not thinking about the Messiah and all that he can do. And so they refuse to be disciples. They refuse to say, no, we can't do it. We just can't do it. You can't send us out there. You can't send us out there to show the gospel. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I don't have enough power in of myself. I can't do it. We just can't do it. I'm, I'm like a one, one loaf person. I'm like a, one, a half a fish person. I can't do it. And Jesus, it's a teachable moment again. It's a teachable moment again that, that yeah, in and of ourselves, we are inadequate. 
We don't have the resources. We don't have the power. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the words. But Almighty God has the power. Almighty God has the resources. Almighty God has the ability. Are we submitted to Him? Are our resources submitted to Him? Are, are our abilities submitted to Him? Is our life submitted to Him? Or is it not? He calls us to be disciples. He calls us to do everything He does, to follow Him and obey Him. He calls us to go in His name, depending on Him, to accomplish the work of the kingdom. So He says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a break. <laughs> he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. Now this is a risky moment for the disciples because they're telling people, hey, sit down, he's going to feed you, and they haven't seen it yet. There could be a lot of upset people. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and, and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave it to the disciples to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. A miracle of great proportions. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces in, in, of the fish. In other words, there's 12 disciples and they all get leftovers. <laughs> they all get to take a bucket home with them. Man, he can do, he can do greater things than you can imagine. He can, he can provide everything that's needed if people are willing to go on mission. If people are willing to trust him with the work. That he supplies the power. He provides the resources. He provides the, 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 the salvation and the rescue. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Man, that's an army. How many women and children are there? Was there 10,000 people there that day? Was there 12,000? Was there 15,000 people? And five loaves and two fish went a long way. Men and women who go out in Jesus' name by faith trusting in the divine power of God, man, God can take that a long way. God can use you. In fact, He calls you to be a disciple, to be His follower. He calls you to live by His commands. He calls you to walk in His ways. And He calls you to go in obedience and faith, knowing that your resources your gifts that came from God, your, your skills, your, your abilities, your experiences, your life can be used in His redemptive work if it's submitted to Him. If it's surrendered to Him. If you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to obey. I, I want to see Your kingdom come. I want to see people saved. I want to see people transformed. I, I'm going to go and I'm, I'm going to seek to heal them. And hopefully as, I, as your resources are poured out, I'm praying for miracles to happen. I'm praying for lives to be changed. As, as I go in your name, I, I pray for the opportunity to share the gospel with these people I'm helping. As I go and I, I look around at the people that are suffering and the people that are in lack, the people that need rescue and transformation, as I give my life for them, as I serve them, as I go like you would go to them, I'm praying for them to be delivered as the demons were cast out of old. I'm praying for them to be set free from their bondages, set free from their, their, their shame, set free from the things that enslave them, 
and I'm just trusting that you're going to save them, and you're going to deliver them, and you're going to rescue them, and, and that I have the ability, I have the power, I have the opportunity, Lord, by your grace to preach to them, to share with them the need for them to repent, to leave the old life behind and come into the reign of the king and trust you. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a strategy of heal and love and serve for the privilege of sharing the gospel. Something that started way back when and something that's supposed to continue on today. What does this passage mean for us? If you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Make up your mind that you're going to follow him. Make up your mind by by the grace of God, by the power of God, you're going to be devoted to living your life to become like Jesus. And then... As you study, as you're trained, as you're, you're built up in Him, as you're transformed by the power of God, then in the midst of uh, imperfection. Uh, really, if you've read through the first six or seven chapters of Mark, you see these imperfect men. They struggle with faith. They struggle with believing in Jesus. They struggle with so many things, with pride, with arrogance, with, with arguing who's the best among themselves. They haven't arrived, and yet they're sent. You are not arrived yet. I'm not arrived yet, and yet we're sent. Because it's not us. It's the gospel that changes lives. Jesus changes lives. We're the messengers. We're the witnesses. We're the evangelists. We're the communicators of the kingdom of God. Make up your mind to be a disciple, and make up your mind to be obedient to follow Jesus in going where he sends, going to the lost, going to the needy, going to the sick, going to the, the broken, and loving them and serving them and sharing the gospel with them. That's what this passage means to us. May God be worshipped and God be praised as people, life after life, turn to Jesus and, and becomes, uh, people become worshippers, entering the kingdom of God and glorifying Him. That's, that's the mission that we're called to be about. May God use us corporately. May God use us individually as we make the decision to go with Jesus. Please stand in the Lord's presence. Lord God, I ask that you would uh, give us divine wisdom to see how this might play out in our own life. I I ask, Lord, that you'd show us uh, some of the people around us that you want us to go to, even today, that you want us to go to in in your name as servants, to go to and and, uh, try to help them in their problems and try to help them in their brokenness, but also to go with the hope of sharing them the good news, that the kingdom of God is coming and that anyone who repents of their sins and turns to Jesus can be saved and be made part of that kingdom forever. God, give us the grace to be uh, disciples, to choose to be disciples. Give us the grace to learn how to be with you and be like you, Jesus. Change us from from this to that. Change us from immature to mature. Change us and transform us. And and may you get all the glory and all the praise. Lord, uh, please, don't, uh, don't don't let us sit and soak in our own satisfaction. Don't let us be comfortable behind our moats and don't let us be comfortable in our own safety when we've been called to go. God, give us, give us, uh, give us the power, the, the encouragement, give us the willingness, give us the desire to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to lost people who need saved.
And may you get all the praise and may you get all the glory. May you get all the honor as your disciples give their life for your sake and for the sake of the lost. Thank you for letting us worship you today. Thank you for meeting with us, Lord. Now send us out into the world as, as your men and women of praise and worship, your men and women of gospel-bearing work. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.